Welcome to the SaaS Symphony, the podcast that's here to help you unleash the full potential of your go-to-market play. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, your host Björn will provide you with the insights and strategies you need to hit all the right notes and create a scaling and profitable business. Over decades, every good sales leader drafted and shaped a personal sales playbook. The ultimate goal was to grow revenue in a structured and repeatable way. And still today, there's nothing wrong about it. A much more interesting question, though, is, is it enough to just create a sales playbook? Does a sales playbook align all involved stakeholders properly? And I'm talking about marketing, sales, customer success, product, and even finance when it comes to healthy unicorn economics. In today's episode, we will have a look at the entire customer journey. And you will learn that some important topics are not covered in the classic sales playbook. Let's start with a view on the end-to-end -end customer journey. Because frankly, a customer does not care whether you are working in marketing, sales, product, or somewhere else. All he or she cares about is a great customer experience and added value with every step they are taking on that journey. So why is it so extremely important for B2B SaaS to care about the end-to-end -end customer journey? Because 70 to 80% of the entire customer lifetime value comes after the initial sales. So it comes through keeping customers happy, expanding and growing your customer base. Taking this into account, segmentation becomes even more crucial for lasting success. Let's dive into the ideal customer profile. An ideal customer profile is the description of what kind of companies would you like to work with. And ideally, you are backing these with measurable criteria. For example, the size of a company in, measured in, in employees. If you look into LinkedIn or other databases, you have ranges of employee sizes, 1 to 50, 50 to 100, 50 to 200, depending. But this helps you to describe, so what kind of company are we talking about? And then adding more and more criteria. Because the more data you collect, so starting in the customer journey at the awareness and education phase, normally owned by marketing, more and more you are enriching the data when it comes to sales qualification and then actually working with your customer base. The same goes with your roles in the buying process. So a persona classically is a marketing task. So marketing really gets obsessed about how to understand the needs, the uh, demographics of your target base in more detail. But it's just the starting point. Because this is the initial contact point during the entire customer journey. So even if it's owned by marketing, it's feeded constantly with feedback from the sales team, but also from the customer success. Because the roles might differ. Let's dig a little bit deeper into the roles along the customer journey. So normally you have often called an initiator or any kind of sponsor who's taking the initiative to launch a new project. So someone is interested in your solution product. 
is that person normally that person who is deciding on buying your product? Probably not. But it's the one who's kicking off the process. Later, you have the user who is actually using the product, your product, on a daily basis. And you see if you have silos and marketing sales and customer success are not talking to each other frequently, you just have a very limited point of view of the entire journey. That's why segmentation and understanding your ideal customer profile and the dedicated roles along the entire customer journey is super, super important. All right. So let's talk about demand and lead gen. And there again, we are talking about the alignment between marketing and sales. Classically, marketing is creating leads, but it's not that simple anymore because so you have kind of classic inbound marketing activities owned by marketing. So we are talking about performance ads. We are talking about social. We are talking about content, SEO. There are a lot of different channels. But the reality is that there is a mix between inbound activities and outbound activities. So sales, classically, is pushing also in approaching uh, people in the outbound motion. So whether it's kind of classic by phone, sending emails, combining sequences, using social selling. At the very end, you have two different layers of how to feed your pipeline with leads. And again, if marketing and sales are kind of disconnected and misaligned, you're wasting a lot of potential. If you're just looking at the sales playbook, the marketing play is neglected or it's not existing. To make it even more challenging, we're talking about, let's talk about product-led or product assisted. That's one of the, the new fancy waves uh, going through because the, the, the customer has the chance to use actually the product before even you get in touch with sales people. And there again, it's part of that journey to get you educated with the product and they don't do not care whether it's marketing sales owned they are actually experienced the product and you have to put this into account when it comes to this is the dedicated stage of their own education so my point is i don't care frankly about whether this is marketing sales product I'm just observing a different behavior on the user or potential client side. And therefore, demand gen and everything which is adding to the funnel should, put, should be put into perspective. And therefore, sales playbook classically is very, very limited. So after the demand generation, or let's phrase it more on a holistic level, um, about the customer journey and its phases. So the potential customer or the lead is aware of your product and the challenges you, you might solve. He or she is educating herself. So at some point you are entering the, the sales process. And with that, you follow different stages, you qualify, and of course you, you try to, to nail the the value proposition, because you, you would like to have something which sticks out of competition, which creates deal velocity, which creates urgency to act. 
And this value proposition, again, is a cooperation between marketing and sales. And marketing, of course, there's often, it's, it's, we're talking about product message fit, then we're talking about product market fit, other call about product segment fit. It all comes at, at some point, but the crucial thing is once you are educating the customer and you would like to move towards potential buy, you really have to get the, the value proposition, the USPs and the benefits right. And this, again, is a, a cooperation between marketing and sales. But it continues because it also, you get so much valuable insights from your customer success and expansion team. Because before the initial buy, it's all theory. Yeah, you might have it backed up with some reference, some existing clients, but the more and more you get real data, real insights, real comments from your existing customer base, it becomes so much more powerful in drafting, shaping the, the value proposition. The other thing is when it comes to sales qualification, it's in my, my perspective, it's on both sides checking whether you are a good fit or not. And that includes from an internal perspective, also the product, because if you are assessing that a customer wants to achieve X, Y, Z, and there is a gap to the current state, the customer is super, super clear about the expectation he or she wants to fill close. And you cannot deliver at the moment on that gap. It's absolutely fair to say, okay, we are not a good fit yet. And then you decide whether you bring it on the roadmap, if you are heading in that direction. So this is, again, it's about clarity on both sides. Are you a good fit? And therefore it's not just marketing and sales, potentially with some alignment and customer success. It's also a very, very close alignment to product. So taking this to the next level, the sales process, in my point of view, is a constant improvement of all the input of the different stakeholders with, of course, the goal to achieve new revenue from new customers. This doesn't change, but the perspective, how to get all the other stakeholders involved in drafting this playbook is probably, hopefully it's, it's clear or it's becoming clear that the classic approach of a sales playbook is super, super limited again, because a lot of impact and insights are kind of not neglected or not collected in a structural way. So we started this episode um, questioning whether sales playbook is enough. And we are already covered um, segmentation, which is a joint effort of marketing, sales, customer success, and even product. We digged into demand gen and lead gen. Um, and we also looked at the, the sales process until a new customer is closed. The next thing I would like to do look at is the post-purchase uh, process. And again, in some sales playbooks, I've seen this, this mapping also stage by stage, um, and some not because they're entirely focused on new customers. So either way, when you look at the end-to-end -end customer journey and holistically, it should be covered because 
you see so much and we learned um, that up to 80% of the entire revenue is generated over a period of time, roughly six, eight, up to eight years. So it's earned post-purchase. So in my point of view, uh, and the new level of a revenue playbook has to tackle this and in a structured way to, to think, okay, how do we structure the onboarding process? How do we measure success? What are the key KPIs in assessing, are we good on track? Is the customer experience great? Because if the onboarding is great, then you have this, you have a pretty high chance of positive momentum. Whether you, if the onboarding experience is poor, it's really, really hard to exceed expectations and have a fruitful cooperation uh, out there, to make it very frank and, and short. The same goes beyond impact. So during the sales or marketing and sales process and attracting new customers, you create an imagination that you provide a measurable impact. But with real clients, you have to prove it. You have to quantify your impact. So you're really learning with real data. So this is a crucial step to define and measure and constantly improve again. And I won't dig into, into further details about the, the growth phase and expansion phase so that, that comes in a, in a different episode. But what should be pointed out at the very end is all these different phases result in healthy unique economics. There are, of course, some must-haves you will find uh, or you should be aware of its kind of CAC payback period is, for example, one of the key uh, metrics, um, LTV to CAC. Was it before? That's more kind of buying in the fantasy um, that the customer value will be huge. But nowadays, it's more how fast can I refinance my new clients? And this is, I think, for me, one of the, the best KPIs at the moment to, to measure the entire success of what I've described with the new revenue playbook and all the involved stakeholders. Because this metric will be better and better once you increase the alignment and then improve constantly in all the different facets. Whether we are talking about a sales playbook or a revenue playbook, the ultimate goal at the very end is to generate more revenue. So. And saying this, it's the question, what is the most efficient and most beneficial part to increase revenue in a structured and repeatable way? Looking at the different stakeholders along the process of creating revenue, for me, it becomes obvious that a sales playbook in a classical way plays way too short. And that's why, for me, the revenue playbook aligns all relevant stakeholders at the entire end-to-end -end journey and make sure that the total revenue generated is happening in the most efficient and the most beneficial way for the entire company and not just the sales part or the new sales part. So what did you learn today? For a long time, revenue growth was dominated by growth with new clients and therefore the sales playbook was the 
ultimate document where you master this though very limited point of view in the entire end-to-end -end customer journey. A revenue playbook is aligning all relevant stakeholders. And it's not just sales, it's marketing, sales, customer success, product, and even finance when it comes to unit economics. You learned that in a classic sales playbook, a lot of important aspects are not covered or not covered in detail, which is desperately needed in today's environment. So you learned that to fully master revenue growth, whether it comes from new clients or existing clients, you should better look holistically at an end-to-end -end process. And with that, a revenue playbook helps you a lot. Or with that, a revenue playbook is a very beneficial tool which I'm happy to explore in more detail with you. Thank you for listening to the SaaS Symphony. If you like this episode, please subscribe and get informed automatically about the next one. We also welcome your candid feedback to improve even further. Thank you. Thank you.